Good morning. I want to thank Bill and Carolyn for the invitation to come. It's a privilege to be here today, and I'm excited because today I know God has a special word for you today. As I was studying and in preparation, God dropped a thought in my heart that I couldn't get away from. And that thought is simply going to be interwoven throughout this message and my testimony. But I want you to know we serve a great big God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or even dream to think. And my testimony today is amazing to me. Even now, after all of these years I, of that going through the situation that I have gone through. So I want to get right into it. But Bill, thank you for inviting us to come. My story actually starts in, in the early 1980s. I had found a small little knot in the left side of my breast, and in that time of finding it, I didn't tell Dwight, I didn't tell anybody, I just prayed over it, and many times I'd walk the floor and just lay my hands on the area and say, God, I'm believing you for a miracle. I don't know what this is, but I'm believing you for a miracle. So we didn't have insurance at the time, so I didn't want to at that moment, go to a doctor because I thought if there was a problem, we'd be in a financial crisis. And I just kept praying and saying, I'm believing you, God, for a miracle. But I saw subtle changes start to take place. I began to feel a, a spongy mass underneath the skin and then the stippling of the skin of something pulling down on it. And I knew then that this was serious. And we were, had just recently accepted a new pastorate, and I believe with all of my heart that this man in the church that was one of our deacons said, I feel a sense of urgency that we need to make sure that our pastor and his family has insurance. And I want you to know that, that I, in all the pastorates we had had, we'd never had a man in our church that would say, we think you need to have insurance and we're going to pay for it. Well, thank God he did, because in 1984, in October 1st, the very day that my, our insurance went into coverage, I went to the doctors. And Dr. McCall, she checked me, and she says, you know, Mrs. Edwards, most of the time I would be telling 80% of the women that uh, they can go home and they have no problem. But I have to say to you, you fall in the other category, and you need to see a surgeon immediately. And I ask her, I don't know who to go to. Where would I go? And she says, we have a good surgeon that's right here in the same complex. And in that afternoon, within an hour, I was in his office. They had done scans. And in that process of time of waiting for the scans to come back for the results, I called Dwight. I said, Dwight, please come quickly. So he came and was with me as we heard the doctor say, it is definitely cancer, and we need to do surgery immediately. The next day, I was in surgery. Can you believe that? God is a good God. God is a good God. How many women have had to wait for weeks to get the report, and then you're waiting for something? I was in surgery the following day. When Dr. Uh, Modir came out, he says, we did a lumpectomy. We just took that area out, but we've sent the tissue away to find out if there's cancer cells there. A week later, I was in Dr. McCall, my primary doctor's office, when she got a phone call saying, tell Mrs. Edwards we need to see her immediately in my office. When I went in there, they said there was cancer cells throughout the tissue they had taken off. And he says, and to preserve the quality of your life, we feel you must have a mastectomy. The next day, I had a mastectomy. 
God is a faithful God. All I could tell Dr. Murdier is that I am believing God for a miracle. You know, I saw two more doctors, a radiologist and an oncologist afterwards, and they, when I came in for a follow-up visit, Dr. Modir says, you know, we don't know what to do with you. He says, we believe that you, because the lymph nodes only had one tiny infected area, we don't know what to do with you. Whether we, radiation, chemotherapy, we actually don't think you should have it. And so I left that place, and they said, we believe you will never have cancer again. And I said, praise God, and I left that office, wouldn't you? (laughs) I said, thank God. But now I want to fast forward to 2005, over 20 years later. Women are supposed to do examinations of themselves, and I was just one day, and I thought, there's a knot there in the same area that the other one was. Uh, I knew I needed to see a surgeon as soon as possible. And so after I did, I went to, I had met a very good surgeon who was a Christian man. And uh, I asked him, I said, uh, Dr. Thomas, or Dr. Howard, would you be able to see me? He said, well, just call my office. Because I'd met him in the hospital visiting a friend. And so we went to his office and we went, uh, he said, I don't know what it is, but we definitely need to take it out. So surgery was scheduled in just a couple of days, and when it came back from the pathologist's report, yes, it was cancer all over again. I was in shock. 20 years later, I had cancer again. I was referred to the cancer center, and I saw several doctors, and they all agreed I need radiation. I needed to have the prosthesis or the implant they had put in me in the 80s removed before they could do anything. So surgery, doctors, machines, all of it, it was scary. It actually, I can't even tell you fully how frightening sometimes it was, except going through some of those machines. I sang the praises of God. And one of my favorite songs is, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And I want you to know I went through those things. It seemingly, I don't even know how to explain it. You just kind of feel like you're carried I, on, this, on this gentle underlying peace that was there. Uh, But I just constantly reaffirmed my faith that I would be okay and that God would take care of me. They wanted me to do chemo, and I told them immediately, I will not do chemo. I'm trusting God. And they said, well, Mrs. Edwards, we really believe you should do radiation. And I said, well, I thought about it, and I finally decided I would do that. And you know, the hardest part about radiation is the, what, is the setup that you have to go through to get ready for it because it takes a long time. And I had to lay in a very awkward position, my arms up and away from my body, my neck strained so that when the beam of radiation came over my neck, I wouldn't be burned on the ridges. So I had to lay there, and it was over two hours. The next day, I came back to do treatment and found out the doctor said, I don't think it's going to be as effective as I need to. We need to go through that process all over again. So I went through that same thing with my neck turned and for over an hour or so. It's the strain. Your arms are aching. And finally, when they were finished, they gave me my first, started the first treatment. 
And I decided, you know, there's three times that they're going to stop the machine and start it, remove it, readjust it. I'm going to find out in just how many seconds it takes. So I was counting one, two, as the machine was making noise, up to about 30 to 32, somewhere in there. And all of a sudden, the machine stopped. I knew they were getting ready to readjust it. And when I opened up my eyes, I could not believe it. I opened up my eyes, and it was like I was in a vortex in the room. It's almost hard for me to even say this because I get that feeling all over again. But it was a swirling around me. The room was just going like a whirlwind around me. And I, and I instantly was sick to my stomach, and I broke out in a sweat. And I was, sweat, I was sweating all over. My heart was racing. I didn't know why. I had no clue, and I right, cried out, Somebody come and help me, help me. And the nurses ran back in from the protective room that they were in. And one of them ran over to me, what's wrong? And I said, the room is spinning around me. So she said, do you want me to set you up? I said, yes, please do. And she set me up and it was still spinning. And by this time, I knew that I couldn't go through this next bit of the radiation treatment because the dizziness was extreme. They took, called the doctor. I was taken to his office. All my pulse, my heart rate, everything was elevated. He says, look, he said, you go home and rest. Take this pill. It'll settle this down. Come back tomorrow. Well, by midnight, that was in the early morning. By midnight, I was still spinning like a top. And uh, at midnight, a friend of mine drove from out of town, uh, Haines City, to Winter Haven and brought me a pill when she had gone through the same thing. I took it, and about midnight, I finally could put my head down. I couldn't move my head. I never went back for the rest of my radiation treatments because it was for a couple of months I went through this vertigo that would come and hit me, and I could not even think about going back. So because I didn't go back... I ask everybody, are you praying with me? Are you believing God with me? For three years, I went without any treatment at all. And in 2008, I didn't feel one thing. The tumor had been removed, but I felt an uneasiness in my spirit. I would check, I pressed, I, I did everything. I checked every area of my body. I could feel nothing. I went to my primary doctor. She did the same. I feel nothing. But she said, I'd rather err on the on safety side. I'm going to send you to an oncologist. And, she, and I said, well, if that's the case, send me back to the cancer center. They have my records, and I want to go back there. Well, then, by this time, again, I was looking at radiation and chemotherapy. I again refused chemotherapy. And Dr. Castle said, well, I have a pill that we can give you, and I want you to take this pamphlet home and read it. And so I took the pamphlet home, and I'm reading through that pamphlet, and all of a sudden, I threw it down. Because the, pam- camp- the pamphlet was saying, stage four cancer. And I thought, my God, has it- it- that's a death sentence on many people's lives. Stage four cancer. So when I went back to see Dr. Castle, I said, Dr. Castle, I couldn't read that pamphlet. It was talking about people with stage 4 cancer. And I'll never forget the look on his face like, I have to tell her. You know, they didn't tell me. No one told me how serious my situation was. And then he says to me, he says, yes, that's right. We cannot cure you, but we hope to contain it. 
Oh, my word, I tell you what, that was quite a day. And I called Dwight on the phone. I was there at the doctor's office by myself, and I called him. I said, Dwight, I didn't get good news today. The doctor says I have stage 4 cancer. But I was scheduled to see Dr. Gary, the radiologist. I want you to know I thank God for good doctors. And this is one of the most precious ladies I've ever met in my life. She and I hit it off exactly, and I told her, I said, Dr. Garrier, I am believing God for a miracle. I said, do you believe in them? She, oh, yes, I do believe in miracles. I said, well, I'm believing for one. I had been prayed for, and many of you probably heard of the outpouring in the Lakeland area. I had been there to those meetings oh, day after day, I, and I was going through all of this and I was believing God for a miracle. I was prayed for Todd Bentley and, and what have you. But this, uh, I don't know when God touched me. I really don't know when. But I had so many people praying for me everywhere. And when I went there, I told Dr. Gary, Dr. Gary, I believe God has healed me. And I don't want to do radiation unless I know for sure it's still there. And she said, well... I can't give you another PET scan because the doctor or the insurance company will not cover it. You just had one. And she said, the only way is that you pay for it yourself. And I asked her the cost, and I said, well, there's just no way we could do that right now. She said, well, listen, Mrs. Evers, this is what I have to do every time I do a testing. I have to take a scat, scats, <laughs> a C scan of your area so I will know how to treat you. And I said, okay. Um, she said, would you agree to that much? And I said, and she says, if the cancer is not there, I'll close the book and I'll rejoice with you. But if it is there, would you agree to treatment? I said, yes. And Dwight was in the room as she ran the scan. There very plainly in the center of my chest was a mass the size of the back of a man's hand. The cancer had penetrated now into the sternum bone and into the chest cavity. It had metastasized. Once cancer metastasizes, they believe that it will spread everywhere. But it was concentrated right in that area. And so I went through radiation, and it was over in about five days, and I had the privilege of meeting this technician that was named John who did every one of my scans every six months following uh, this, and we became extremely good, good friends. Um, but after I had the, uh, it was scheduled that I would come back for five days in a row for radiation, and finally it was all over with. I had no side effects. There was no redness of skin. They said, we have all kinds of creams for you, and if it, you have any redness or like sunburn, I said, I don't have it. And they were talk, asked me about different things. It didn't happen. I just went through it as if it was just going to Sunday school. It was awesome. There was no problems whatsoever. I went home, still was praying and believing God and trusting the Lord each and every single day because radiation alone is not a cure-all. And so I was trusting God in every way that I knew how and believing God. Um, just a second, I want to get over, over to where I am, I'm actually at right now, so I won't miss something, nor... But here's the thing that happened. I had, was going to, supposed to be scheduled, or I had been scheduled, before they found the cancer, to have gallbladder surgery. 
Now Dr. Garrier says to me, she says, Mary or Mrs. Edwards, we believe you need to go ahead and have that gallbladder surgery because if you had any complications in the future, this gallbladder would be a problem in your uh, actual treatment. So I went through it. Now, I don't know if it was too soon after radiation. I have no clue what caused it. At that point, I had no clue. But after surgery, I was supposed to be up and on my feet in seven to ten days. And I want you to know, I was like, I was so sick and so weak, I started losing weight. I dropped down to 160 pounds, almost I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh, but I lost a lot of weight. And everybody looked at me, and when I saw myself in the mirror, or if I saw myself, I looked like skin over bone. I didn't know what was wrong. And I began to cry out to God because I was either going to bed, getting up, or had been in bed. I was so weak. I was like an invalid. The only thing I did was to go to church on Sunday morning. Because I knew I had to be there on Sunday morning in the services. So every Sunday morning, I would get dressed. I would go. I couldn't stand up and worship like I used to. I was too weak. And then I would go home and go to bed. I didn't know what was wrong. The only indication that something else was wrong in my body is that that the CAT scans and PET scans had shown I had a problem somewhere in my colon. But they never told me what it was, and they said, don't worry about it. It is not cancer. But nobody said, you need to go and have that checked out. What turned out, and it's a totally another story, which God has healed me of, but I had Crohn's disease in the midst of all of this. And so I was losing weight, and until um, much later did I even have that treated. But here's what I was getting at, is that I said, God, I need a word from you. I don't understand what's happening. So I said, God, Prophet Glenn is coming Sunday. Would you please give him a word for me? You see, I would pray, but I was so weak I'd fall asleep. And I was so weak I couldn't really intercede, even talk much to anyone. So when Glenn came that Sunday, I was fully expecting to get a word from God. I didn't get it. And after the service, when he lined everybody up to pray for each individual, sometimes he'd lay his hand on you and God would reveal something to him that he needed to share with you. It didn't happen. And I said, Lord, that's okay. I know you know exactly where I'm at. And went on praying with other people. After the service, we took Glenn to dinner, came back, dropped him off of his car. And when we got in the car, Dwight says, Mary, if we don't get gas, we're not going to get home. So we stopped at the gas station. And while we were there, something made me feel like I had something in my teeth. So I walked up to the, to the uh, visor, moved it down, and sure enough, I had lettuce in my teeth. And I thought, oh, my God, how long has that been there? You know, ladies, you know how that is. So I said, oh. And then I noticed something in my mouth. And I said, oh my God, could the radiation have done something to my teeth? Because the porcelain teeth back here, porcelain caps that I'd paid good money for now were dark. I thought, my God, what, what has happened? And then I put, as I got closer to the visor and the sun hit my mouth and my teeth, I said, oh my God, I've got two gold teeth. You want to see them? You can after service. But I want you to know, I, oh, my God, I have two gold teeth. And when Dwight got in the car, I said, Dwight, you've got to see this. God's given me two gold teeth. And I showed him, and he starts laughing. 
You know what he said? God just wants you to know that he knows exactly where you're at. Where you're at. Exactly what I told God the Father. And I have two gold teeth. I brush a miracle twice a day. And I want you to know I have a miracle in my mouth. God is a great God. He answered my prayer in a way that I could never dream of. I ask him for a word. Lord, what's going on? And that afternoon as I, I, I call my kids right away. Our son is now the pastor. We pastored the church for 23 years. Now my son and our son is now pastoring and has been pastoring for seven years. I called Nolan and Kathy and I said, guess what? God's given me two gold teeth. And Kathy yells, mom's got two gold teeth. And they said, come and let us see them. I'd heard about gold teeth. Bill said he'd heard about gold teeth, didn't believe it. And I, I heard many people supposed to be getting gold teeth from around the world that was advertised in the outpouring. And, and this had nothing to do with the outpouring, absolutely nothing. But God gave me two gold teeth. And when I heard about gold teeth, I said, God, what is this about gold teeth? And those gold teeth have given me an opportunity everywhere to share my testimony. I've stood in lines. I said, do you believe in miracles? Let me tell you about one, and I share them. I want you to know God is a miracle-working God. And I want you to know I have people that look at me, and they say, Ooh, that gives me goosebumps all over. Well, you know what? God is a goose-pimple, wonderful God. He can do things that we can't do. I asked God for a word, and he gave me two gold teeth. Now, the wonderful thing about these two gold teeth is that God answered my prayer. Here's what God said to me that afternoon as I sat on that sofa. And some of you can relate to this. I, I was in shock. I said, God, you gave me two gold teeth. I didn't ask for them. You gave me something that I'd never dreamed about. And I, I said, I can hardly believe you would do that for me. And then God spoke to me and he said, as clearly as you can hear my voice today, he said, I can do anything I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can do anything I want to do. How I want to do it and when I want. You know, we're so easy to tell God how to do things. We can tell God exactly the way he should take care of our situation. God has a plan. God has a plan. So, I have two gold teeth. And I'm sitting there. And suddenly, God brought... uh, The only sensation I can even equalize it to is when you've had surgery and you come up freezing, cold... And they have a blanket on you, and they'll ask you, are you cold? Would you, need a, would you like a warm blanket? Oh, yes. And that warm blanket is slid up underneath the other, and you're just as comforting and comforted and warm. And all of a sudden, I felt as if God had taken the warmest, softest blanket and totally wrapped me up in it. It was like God came down and kissed me at that moment. It was like God was saying, I love you, Mary, and I know where you, what you've been going through. I want you to know I felt the presence of God surround me, and I t- 
And I am so grateful for that experience because it showed to me just exactly how much God loves me. In 2011, I had my last and final PET scan. I was going to get the results of that PET scan, and Kathy, my daughter-in-law, went with me this time. And as I went there, Dr. Garrier greeted me. He's in her office. She says, you're looking just as good on the inside as you are on the outside. You know, I didn't have sense enough to ask her, what do you mean? I just simply took it. You know, she said, you're looking. And every time she saw me in every six, well, she saw me much more than that, but PET scans were every six months. And she would say that you're looking just as good on the inside as you are on the outside. And I, I never asked her. I never did ask her. But as we, Kathy and I were leaving the, uh, the cancer center, the truck in the back where the machines were, John, the technician that had become a friend of mine, walked out. And as he was walking over that way, his head was down. He was discouraged. You could see he's carrying a load. And I, I, I said, hi, John, how are you doing? This is Kathy, my daughter-in-law. And, his next, and he said hi and all that. And then he said, you go to Champions Church, don't you? And I said, yes. She says, my son Paul wants to go to Champions Church. You know why he wanted to go? Because John remembered every conversation we had for over three years. We talked about the Lord. He asked me about when my daughter died of cancer. He said, were you ever angry at God? He said, how could I be angry at God? I placed her in his hands that God would raise her up. You see, God took her home. But I still believed God is the God of miracles. I placed Michelle in God's hands. I went through the suffering of losing a daughter. But I knew that my God was still faithful to his word no matter what. Because that day she died, I said, God, I put her in your hands. You, no better hands can I put her in. And if you're taking her home, take her home. But I want to remind you, I'm still believing you for a miracle. And Michelle didn't walk out of that hospital. She flew out of it because she went to be with her father in heaven. But I want you to know, when I saw John, he says, my son wants to be there Sunday. I said, oh, John, if you can, come with him. We'd love to have you come visit. He's made this statement very adamant. He said, if my son's going to be there, I'm going to be there. And I said, well, I hope so that you will. And we look forward. He says, my son's going through some tough stuff. And I said, John, I look forward to seeing you. And you know, a lot of people tell you they're going to be in church, and that doesn't mean they're going to be there. You know, that's happened many times. Well, that's to us. I've had people say, I'll see you Sunday. And they're not there. But I turned around during our meet and greet time when we do actually say hi to one another and all that. We do that in our church. And I looked back, and there was John, his wife, and his son. I went back, oh, John, it's so good to see you. And you know what he said? This is the lady I've been telling you about. This is the lady I spoke to you about. And he had been talking to his family about what I had said to them over this period of time. 
And so I said, I'm so glad you're here. And you know, John says to me, he says, we're glad we're here as well. And then at the end of the service, I went back to them very quickly. And John says, does your son always preach that positive a message? Always? I said, yes. And he said, it's the first positive message I've heard in a church in my life. He had been, please, I don't want to offend anybody, but he said he had been in in a, he was a Catholic for 30 years, had not been in church for 30 years, and his background had been Catholic. He had not been to church for 30 years. And that morning, I had to leave quickly because I had a roast in the oven for our family was coming to dinner. But John and Kathy and Paul lingered and went down to speak to Nolan. And when Nolan's talked with him a few minutes, my son said, may I ask you a question? If something should happen to you, do you know if you would go to heaven or not? And John and Kathy and Paul said, nodded there. He said, we think so. And he said, would you like to know so? And so God led John, Kathy, and Paul to, in the sinner's prayer. And I want you to know from that day, John, Kathy, and Paul are serving God. And John and Kathy are in our church every time the doors are open. And I thank God I'd go through it all over again just for John and Kathy. Praise God. Well... Dwight and I did a new believers class with John and Kathy in our home on Tuesday nights for almost a month and a half. During that time, one evening, I said, John, did you know that the cancer center called, that Dr. Carey at the hospital over at the center calls me a walking miracle? He said, no, I didn't know that. And then he related to me what he saw the very first time, he saw the first scan. He says, you know, when I saw that scan, he's been a technician in, the, in nuclear tech, uh, medicine for over 30 years. He said, when I saw that scan, I came in and I looked at you and Dwight. And I looked at Dwight and I said, I feel so sad. He's going to be alone and she'll be gone within six months. That's how serious, and that's his reading of that scan. John didn't tell me what he was going to do. He's a very quiet guy, very intellectual. He's just an awesome, I just love him dearly. And he went to his office and pulled up my scans. And on Sunday morning, he came up to me, and he says, Mary, he says, I've got something I want to show you. And he pulled out his phone and I want them to put up here on the screen what I saw. See in the middle of my chest? That's the cancer. That big, black, funny-looking shape. On the left side, you will see a lymph gland that is totally filtered. This doesn't even actually show you the full size of it because this is only a frontal view of it, but it went all the way through my body. And I want you to see that. And then he says... And then he shook his head. It's not really supposed to be like this, but look at this one. And let you show. Here it is shrinking. Now show me that. Show the next one. Now this is there. Is there a fourth one up there? Fourth one, sir. All right. There's absolutely nothing there. Can you say praise the Lord? No cancer. No cancer. 
no cancer. And that's right, brother, you can say it again. <laughs> yes, amen. No cancer. Let me tell you something. God is a good God. and he, I, See, I don't know when this happened. In fact, recently, I didn't even know John had actually put that segment up there, that there was a shrinkage. Because I asked, I said, John, have you ever gone back and looked to see when it started shrinking or when it changed? And that actually is the first time I've seen those, those in between. I only saw the beginning and the end. And every time I see that last picture, I am in awe of the power of God. God's faithfulness to his word. I'm here today because God wanted your faith to be strengthened by my testimony. If we were walking in Jesus' day and God laid his hand on me, you would not see the results of what goes on in the inside. Today you have seen with your eyes what God did for this Dizzy blonde. (laughs) I'm not dizzy anymore. But I want you to know that God healed my body just as sure as we were standing in a line and waiting for Jesus to lay his hand on us and heal us. God wanted you to see this because you're seeing a miracle that is undeniable. It cannot be disproved, even scans. You know that John has the devil come to him and say, you made a mistake. You had to have gotten somebody else's scans mixed up. And he'll go back and look at it again and again. He says, could I have possibly got somebody else's scan mixed up? And he's actually gone back and put one scan over the other. And he says, you know, in your body, your, your organs, every, the size of them, everything, no one has your DNA inside. Only you. And he says, God has to show me one more time. It really did happen. You know, sometimes Jesus allows things to come into our lives that seem like they are hindrances, obstacles to our faith. I remember the story in the Bible. Jairus is on his work, rushes into the presence of Jesus and says, come quickly. I'm going to put my words. Just let me do it my way. Come quickly. My daughter's dying and I need you to come lay hands on her so she will be healed. Jesus rises quickly, and the disciples follow him, and they're on their way. And then uh, it says he's following him, and here's Jairus running, going as fast as he can. And obviously he looks back, and Jesus has stopped in the middle. And he stopped and looking around, and, and Jesus says, who touched me? Well, there's a crowd around him. Everybody was probably brushing up against him, but Jesus said, who touched me? And Jairus is standing watching, my daughter, my daughter. And then he sees a miracle right before his own eyes. He had seen miracles or heard of miracles, but Jesus does a miracle in his eyesight. I don't think it was an accident. I believe God allowed that to happen so Jairus' faith could be strong because just as soon as this all took place and in the time he was talking to the lady, some people come rushing in from his home saying, why bother the master? Your daughter is dead. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Only believe. And he did And they kept on going, and his daughter was healed. Jesus sometimes increases our faith in him by showing his power in the life of someone else. That life this morning is mine.
God wants you to see he's not the author of, of preference. He is willing to heal all. God wants to deliver today. The message God wants you to hear is that my testimony here today was to increase your faith to believe for miracles for yourself. Some of you in this place need deliverance. And that's the word I kept hearing from God. God wants deliverance. I don't know what you need deliverance from. This man over here hasn't told me that there's a bunch of people in this place that need deliverance. I don't know. It can be de- deliverance from fear. It can be deliverance of, of, a, of addictive nature. It can, be a, it can be deliverance of thought process. I don't know. But that's what God spoke to me, that there were people here that needed to be delivered. The Bible tells us in Peter that we are to gird up the loins of our mind, to be sober. That word means not to be intoxicated. And that intoxicated means we're not to be intoxicated with ourselves. It means we're not to be intoxicated with with addictive substances that would hinder us from being what God wants to do. God wants us to be free from all things that would keep us bound into a not and do what the whatever it is that we are involved in. God wants to set you free today and God wants to heal you. You know what the greatest part of this whole story is that John and Kathy came to know the Lord. I want you to know God is a faithful God to bring good out of anything that is bad that comes into your life. And I believe today there may be somebody here who has never experienced this wonderful love of God, who has never come to the place that they've accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. Or perhaps you have as a child and you think that's enough. I want you to know God wants you to have an up-to-date, intimate experience with him. Not something you've had years ago and you're just riding on it and doing whatever you want to do. God says, no. He says, I want you to come into the full knowledge of the saving grace of God. And God wants us to clean up our lives. Can we clean up our lives? Yes, we can say no to things. We can change our lives. And the Holy Spirit is here to do that today. For in our being, there is a cry. I'm hearing that cry loudly in the society today. I need answers. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. If you haven't come to know Jesus Christ personally, you've missed the point of life. You've missed it. There's nothing like it. You can search the world over. You can try everything there is to try. You can do everything. Anything you want to do in this life and wake up the next morning is discouraged and heavy-hearted, feeling guilty, sad, depressed. But Jesus Christ comes in with life, and not just life, he comes in with abundant life. He comes to deliver us and set us free from the things that Satan has bound us up in. And I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. Folks, this is serious business. Jesus is coming soon. We don't know what today may hold. We have a young man just this past two weeks that was in a motorcycle accident. He wasn't in our church. In fact, he wasn't in any church, but his, his sister is our youth pastor's wife. He was killed on a motorcycle. 
He'd been in drugs. He was away from God, hadn't been in church for years. And we just trust. He lived an hour after he was hit on his motorcycle, and we just believe that in that hour that he made it right with God. But we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation. And now is the accepted time. If you do not know, if something happened to you today, do you know where you would spend eternity? And if you're not sure, raise your hand. Is there anybody in that situation? Raise your hand. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. All right, I don't see any hands. I pray that every one of you are ready because it's, I don't want to miss the party. <laughs> I don't want to miss the coming of the Lord. And the shout and the trumpet, I want to be ready. But now, you may raise your heads, if you will. Thank you very much. Some of you today are needing a miracle. If you're needing a touch in your body today, I want you to rise. In fact, everybody, would you stand? Just everybody stand. I want you to come forward. There's been much prayer over this meeting, and if you need a miracle of healing, or you have a family member who needs a miracle,